0: Sport Social.
1: Well, the January window opened. The January window closed. Not a lot went on, and Tadiwa and I are here to give you just kind of a, a rough summary of the uh, pretty, you know, the transfer window that was. And I guess the uh, the question that I'm going to lead this off with to Tadiva is more of a philosophical one, which is um, if a tree falls in a forest but nobody is there to hear it, does it make a sound?
0: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure in Chelsea's case, they might argue they might argue it does. Um, Wow. Um, hey, Justin, how are you?
1: Doing all right. I figured I'd you know give you something nice and light as a, as a starting point.
0: <laughs> yeah, after watching that game, you, you do need the breather.
1: So, Chelsea actually were the most active team in this window, and uh, the player, uh, you know, the biggest name who probably moved in the window actually has uh, somehow remained on the pitch. for. The, where, just in case anybody wants a point of reference, we're watching, we've started recording in the 83rd minute of Manchester City 6, Chelsea nil. Um, Chelsea has taken the first set. I mean, City has taken the first set pretty convincingly. Um, this resembles more like Roger Federer playing me than two Premier League teams playing football. But, um, Gonzalo Higuain, a man who I think maybe has run about seven yards in this entire match, was the biggest name to come to the PL or to even move, you know, even between teams or from out of the league, uh, in the entire window. And I guess the question is, why do you think no teams use this January window to improve?
0: Um, I'm, I'm wondering if maybe we're starting to get the lag of the transfer fees that seem to be going up and up over the, the last couple of seasons, especially after the Neymar deal. Perhaps, you know, also coupled with the fact that January is such a hard window, not just to, to find someone to buy, but to, Find someone who you can buy and their club is willing to sell because they themselves are going to be able to find a replacement. And when prices are so high at the moment, it's very difficult to justify some of the signings that that do happen. But uh, as you said, like as you alluded to with Chelsea, they, they were able to do some business, but it came at a hefty price.
1: Yeah, it, it did. And I, and I guess the thing that I'm really kind of most wondering about, and as it comes to Liverpool, obviously we can, we, we can get more deeply into, you know, what we think there, but it's just, has, is, is the market not going to move if one big player doesn't move on a permanent transfer and nobody sets the value for the market? Like Neymar set the value very high for premium players in the world. Now, granted, Neymar is a marketing phenomena because of Nike, The fact that he's the captain of Brazil, and I don't think as far as international football, there's anything more iconic than the guy wearing number 10 in the yellow shirt. So Neymar, you know, aside, last January, we saw Coutinho move for 142 million euros. We saw Van Dyke move for 75 million pounds. We did see some player movement of some very, very, very talented players who, you know, different fortunes, Coutinho not loving life at Barcelona, or... He might be loving life there, but there, he, he, the fan base certainly lo- isn't loving him, and he's cert- and his football has certainly not been great there. But Van Dyke, you know, he comes in, he has an amass- he has a massive effect for us. Uh, you know, you still have other players moving in that window last January too, like Lucas Moura making the move from PSG to Tottenham. This this window, we have a lone move for a, for Higuain, a like and like move where getting Alvaro Morata out of Chelsea for uh, to Atletico. And then they signed Pulisic, uh, for, for later, who he's gotta be watching this game right now and thinking like, oh shit. Um, especially cause, you know, Eden Hazard is definitely out the, out the door. He's, he's going to Madrid. Uh, I guess the question is just why does everything stagnate so much in this, in this January window is where you couldn't even find, you know, maybe Liverpool, you know, with a, a sort of a loan move for a right back, even though they shouldn't have loaned out the right back they already had probably or a center back, considering the fact that Gomez and Lovren right now are both fairly banged up. It it didn't even feel like teams used the window to address... You know, just get just solving some depth problems. Because we've seen Liverpool solve depth problems in the January window, even under Klopp, you know, with going out and getting Stephen Cocker on loan. Um, we saw them several years ago. Granted, it was under, uh, I believe that this is a Rafa Benitez move. I can't remember. I can't remember which manager it was. I can't remember if it was Rafa or if it was uh, Kenny to bring in uh, Sorteros Kiriagos. Like, you can get those players to fill bodies and on your bench if you need. But just wondering how come that didn't happen at all in this one.
0: Yeah, it's quite a curious one. Um, I don't know if maybe there was an unwritten handshake between all of the, the clubs in the Premier League about you know trying to sort out this um, as as I mentioned before the the prices that are that are, that have been soaring. But um, yeah, it, it seems like a lot of teams left themselves short. Uh, I, I know we're going to get into Liverpool a, a lot more in depth, but once again, this this is another window where you're probably thinking of just getting. You know, not necessarily that you desperately, desperately need someone coming in, but maybe just an insurance policy signing, just to make sure you you can get over the line. You know, um, yeah. And then, and then if you look at some of the other clubs who could have signed people, um you were expecting Arsenal to probably try something, but they've got problems with their owner, you know, um, and apparently they don't have any funds. I, uh, I wonder. Arsenal did bring in Denis Suarez. Yes, yeah they, they brought him in on loan um but this was something that should have been done within the first week of the um of the transfer window I think I think in the first podcast we had we even spoke about this as being a done deal it was pretty much sorted out and then yet a deal that's so comfortably sorted out still takes takes Arsenal pretty much the whole window to sort out the finances for it, it that's so that should be a worrying sign for for the club as a whole or, or the fans should I say not necessarily the club yeah. But, um, I think maybe teams just weren't as prepared. I I don't know if that's a, if that's a fair statement to make, but it, it seemed like a window that teams didn't have a list of four or five players. It was more a shorter list of maybe one or two. And if those two weren't available, then they were happy to go, you know, to, to go along with the teams that they did have at the moment. But, um, maybe if I can start us off with, um, Arsenal. In the sense of, like, like we said, that Dennis Suarez coming in on loan took the whole window to get him in. But do you happen to think that maybe, you know, some of the clubs like the Arsenal's are wanting to see where the team lands up before deciding how much to spend? Because um, you can imagine if they went out and bought, um, you know, like an Aubameyang again, like they did last time in the January window, and then they still end up in the Europa League, can they continue to? By these big players and not make the Champions League. Um, how, how do you think they saw this transfer window? I I, I,
1: I think that Suarez, while well, a decent enough player and one that Emery clearly knows well, is midfield really a position where they're devoid of bodies? Like, is that is that where they needed to improve or just get something done during this window? Because to me, it feels like, you know, they don't have any center backs who are actually even, you know, alive. But, uh that's where it feels like they really missed a trick was like, we're like buying the right position. But yeah, I, I don't see, I, I don't see where Arsenal is going to go out and uh, buy in the January window. Cause what, what do you have? You have Emery coming in after Wenger's there for 20 years. Emery has a plan and style that he wants to play, which wh- the eff- the efficacy of playing that this season and the way that they need to play is, you know, is, is a conversation for another day. But he's he I don't think he it makes sense for them to go out in the January window and buy just to uh, fill holes unless it's, you know, aimed towards can we get back into the top four, which I don't think they will because I just think that they're too devoid of quality. But basically, I, I think unless they're I think for them, it's they're not going to buy a player unless he fits their long term, uh, you know, their long term uh, strategy.
0: Yeah. And I suppose that's, that's the limbo they sit in until the end of the, until the end of this season. And then maybe they evaluate. But as you mentioned, the biggest thing for Arsenal is a lot of the players in that team definitely don't play the, the Emory, Emory ball that, um, that he was hoping to implement this season. And at some point in time, it's not necessarily just the coach that, that you're looking at. You're not looking at you know, he's coached them to a certain level, the players that he currently has. Can he take them any further? If he can't, maybe now we look to bring in players that can do that for him. We've seen it with Liverpool. Maybe where Emory didn't go uh, as he should have gone is in the sense of, for example, if you look at Liverpool, Klopp had to adapt his, you know, in Verticom's Gurgan press and, and style of football to fit the players that he had at the moment until he was able to get to a position where he could bring in certain players um we look at Brendan Rodgers he also had the similar situation where there was a season where he just had to forego that 250 page dossier he's had um coming into Liverpool purely because our front three was on some other level i feel that you know especially if if you're not going to be backed in the transfer window then Emre, and, and as you say, it's a conversation for another day, but he just has to embrace what he has. And what he has is a ridiculously good striking and attacking team that does, doesn't does have any defenders. So may as well just go and score as, uh, more goals than the other team.
1: Yeah. And I guess that's actually, you know, a, a side question that I actually wanted to ask you because it actually, you know, it's coming into my head also during, that's been thinking it during this entire Chelsea City game. What is the point of playing a tactic that doesn't suit your players at all. Like pragmatically, getting into the top four will allow you to buy the players to actually, in, you know, employ the actual tactics that you want to play. But you know, not using what you, not doing what you need to to get into the top four doesn't seem to make any sense to me.
0: No, it definitely doesn't. And and I think maybe we then have to question what kind of agreements these managers got coming into the, you know, coming into their teams. If you look at and will continue to use Klopp as the blueprint as, as a Liverpool, as Liverpool fans. But if you look at when Klopp came in, the moment he came in, we all knew, and it wasn't under question that he was going to be here for the better part of at least minimum four years. Um, and, and he had that safety of the owners constantly reminding everyone that this is a long-term project. He's going to be given time. Let him work, you know, work, it work through the kinks. I haven't heard something as similar for, you know, a Sari or, or an Emery even, in the sense that maybe they've been told you've only got one or two years to deliver if you don't deliver you're out the door. And in that situation, they're going back to what's comfortable to them, what they've always known, the type of football they've known. Whereas with Klopp, he had the security to experiment and to, you know, try different things and grow his way into the squad. I don't know if a Sari has as much time, so... Maybe that's influenced him.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's really, if if you look at the, if you look at Chelsea, they fire managers like the rest of us drink water. So I could see where Sari's getting to that point. Arsenal, for Emery, he he saw that Arsenal gave, gave, uh, Wenger 20 years. They, even in the last five, they were thinking that perhaps there were ways within which they wouldn't, you know, he was going to get, like, will they or won't they sack him? Was the story for the last five seasons of Arsene Wenger's Arsenal career. So I don't think that Arsenal is a club that makes that takes that decision lightly. Partly because of the fact that I think the owners checked out and just doesn't want to go through the uh, the manager search year after year, and partly because of the fact that I actually do think it's part of the culture of the club to actually you know retain a manager and then complain about him on fan subscription site TV after every single match. So. You know, I think part of it's definitely cultural for those clubs like Chelsea, sorry, you're not going to get a chance. So you need to be pragmatic. And and that's where it just that's where I'm lost with how, why neither of these teams would actually take concrete steps to address the real problems that they have, right? With you know, Chelsea having no goal scorers and basically if Hazard isn't fully on it, the attack doesn't function. Like that just screams to me like buy midfielders who can create something. And for Arsenal it's just a uh, I don't know, have a center back who's alive so that you don't have to keep playing uh, Mustafi, who is terrible. So I I just don't get it, personally.
0: Yeah, it will be interesting to see how they carry on in the the rest of the season. And especially with the way Man United are playing at the moment, you know, they've clawed their way back into that fourth-place title, um, fourth-place race. And... Chelsea and Arsenal are actually looking the underdogs now based on form. So, yeah, it's it's good. I'm going to be curious to hear if they regret um, not doing anything in this window just to beef them up or not doing anything more in this window, should I say, as two of the probably the busier top six clubs. It's it's quite ironic that they were the busier ones of the top six clubs and they seem to be struggling at the moment, even though they were mostly loans.
1: Yeah. So, there were let's let's talk about some of our rivals then. So you know it's a good spot. Let's talk about the rest of the top four race. Uh, Manchester United did nothing in the window. Do you think they needed to do anything?
0: Um, at the moment, I I think once again it's a club that's in limbo. I, we don't know if Olegan Solskjaer is going to be there long term. Um, whether, whether he comes, in, whether he stays or not, I don't know if they were going to be comfortable spending a huge amount of money on a player that Solskjaer specifically wanted. Unless it was a situation like last season where Alexis Sanchez at that point in time, you know, considered one of the better players in the league. If he, where he became available and then you sort of just buy him and then work it out afterwards or, or the, my reservations of that transfer are known. Um, I think that's how they looked at that situation in terms of who they could have brought in. I was maybe assuming they would have thrown some money at a center back. Just to solidify that, you know, they, they clearly wanted a centre-back coming in. I don't know if Bailly is pretty much favoured there. Um, and then in terms of anything else they could do, I think they probably, you could have expected them to wait until the summer other than that centre-back signing. And then you also have to remember they've still got Fred who still needs to come in as a new signing, I suppose. Uh, he can count as a January signing, I guess.
1: Mourinho completely bombed how to integrate that player into the team. Like if you're going to sit there and actually talk about where Mourinho made a huge mistake, uh, you know, besides the obvious ones that we could all see, like, you know, treating Paul Pogba, like he was, uh, Mark Noble. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I think that the, 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 the lack of a, the lack of desire to actually try to integrate Fred and, you know, cause coming from the Ukraine to, uh, to the premier leagues, a bit of a, it's a bit of a, difference in both quality and pace of play and he really just kind of threw him into the deep end killed his confidence and then destroyed it even further by burying him has fred even made a match day squad in the last month and a half i don't know it's i don't think so it's crazy but i think if yeah i think with united it was right basically if they're gonna buy any place it has to be center back but i guess realistically for what they're doing the rest of this season they can probably get by with what they have hope you know assuming that they don't have to play Phil Jones too often because Phil Jones is bad. But I mean, across like, you know, Smalling, Lindelof, and, and, uh, Eric Bailey, you have enough there to probably navigate the rest of this season, uh, pretty well. Uh, especially also if you're going to keep getting the midfield play that they've gotten recently because Herrera's been very good and Pogba's been very good. And, uh, Matic hasn't looked like, you know, a basic, uh, chalk, chalk outline of a player on the, on the pitch lately too. So they've, they, they've, they're in a good run of form. Um, I think that they're going to, I hope that they get exposed in our next league game because it's against us. But, uh, I think that basically you're, you're right. It's just, they're not going to invest lots of money, um, under Solskjaer unless they know that he's the man for the job and he's got, you know, it's basically he's in a, in a prove it to me situation dude. over the course of the next few months. And, uh, maybe, maybe you'll get the job though. I suspect that United want to set their sights higher for a big name. And they'll probably get themselves just caught back into the same loop of no long-term planning and just buying big names because that's what United's been doing for the last seven or eight years. And until Ed Woodward is no longer making decisions, I, 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 I I shouldn't say I fear it because of the fact that I don't. I welcome it, but I think that that's, I think that's kind of what they're going to do. And I think a lot of what happens with United going forward is also going to depend on what's Pog, what does Pogba want to do? Does he want to go? does he want to go back to Juve does he want to go to Barcelona or does he want to stay and then will they be able to line up the transfer for for Koulibaly right which seems to be the big rumors that United are in for Koulibaly but all of that once again is something that's going to be resolved in the summer and clearly was not resolved in January
0: yeah i agree and obviously with the Koulibaly one that is probably one of the most sought after top um Center backs and world football, would you agree? Because I, I don't see many other top ones who are as freely available as he is in terms of if you pay a specific amount of money, you're definitely going to get him.
1: I mean, I think maybe like go, you know, Diego Godin you can also go out and get, but Koulibaly to me is the better investment once again, because it's, you know, nine years younger than Godin. right? It's like, how often does a player of that caliber come available in his prime? We nabbed the last one in Virgil. Yeah, Koulibaly looks like he's the next, like, you know, world-class center back who's going to move in his prime. Um, you know, I, I, I sincerely and dearly hope that, uh, Michael Edwards has been working that, you know, silently and that we just, you know, once the, once the window opens this summer, there's just, a uh, you know, a, a video of us signing Koulibaly, but I fear that he will end up in United.
0: Yeah. Unless City are looking to replace company, that could also be quite interesting because, I don't know if he's going to continue with Stones and Laporte, but if imagine Laporte and Koulibaly, that could be quite a mean, mean center back partnership. But as as you say, the only problem I would envision Liverpool having and whether or not it's a good problem to have, um, that, that's a debate that others could have, but, or maybe we could introduce it now, but would a Koulibaly limit Joe Gomez's progress or is, for example, Joe Gomez's injury record a reason to have a Koulibaly? Because I, I could see, you know, uh, a club like ours and, and how how much Joe Gomez has been given the freedom to to grow this season where the club would think, no, we won't get a first-choice starter um, centre-back of the quality of Koulibaly. Maybe get someone who's the third-choice, fourth-choice and, and take it from there and let Gomez take that starting position
1: yeah so I mean we we should have that conversation now because as we've noted several times on this podcast already this transfer window was dead so if we're trying to have a post-mortem we might as well talk about you know some Liverpool stuff going forward uh I would I would go sign Koulibaly you know what the best teams in the world don't worry about blocking the progress of players they just make they just bring the best players in to play those positions Joe Gomez if we have him and he can stay fit and he can play great Um, he's, it would be actually good to be in a situation where Van Dyke doesn't have to play every waking minute of every game for us to even have, for us to consider having a chance to win because, you know, as he gets older and granted, he's in his physical prime now and look, center backs probably run the least of every single position besides keepers during a game. Um, I would like to still see, you know, he's, he's going to get injured at some point, right? He's not always just going to be a machine. So I would just like to have more quality at center back. Because, you know, Joel Matip, no, no offense to him. He's a very average player. Dejon Lovren, for a little bit of offense meant to, uh, meant, not just kidding, I'm not Dave Hendrick. Uh, but, uh, a little bit of, a little bit of a, you know, being honest about him, he's, he's, he's an average Premier League defender. I would like to not have to have one, be one injury situation away from having two guys who would probably fit in a mid-table team being essential to, uh, to our ability to perform. So I, I you know, I, I don't see that. You could, I don't see it as blocking Gomez. I just see it as improving the squad. If Gomez is good enough, he'll, he'll take the competition and he'll play. Or you know what it also gives you? It gives you the opportunity to flex Gomez out to right back when we need to cover Trent. And it gives you a good defensive option at right back. So that it it wouldn't bother me to, and, and I don't necessarily see that developing Joe Gomez is the primary driver of what we need to be doing. I think what we need to be doing is just assembling the best team. And that means bringing in the players who could fit into our team. Cause Koulibaly, remember to, he's, he's got all the, all the things that you need to play for Jurgen Klopp. Good on the ball. Very pacey. So he can keep a high line dominant in the air. Cause if you look at whatever, if you look at what Klopp likes, he likes huge physical specimens. Look at the players we've signed. They're all physical under him. They are all incredibly athletic. He fits that mold as well. So. I I would I would do it in a heartbeat. Is basically my my answer to that one. I don't I don't worry about Joe Gomez's confidence or positioning in it. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I I would agree with you. Um, I I just thought it was good to bring up that other side and and why, um, there are hesitations of of signing someone like that. But I I agree with you in the sense that we have to look to get the the best out of the squad that we have now and. Especially in, in a, in an era of football like now, we don't know how long we could have a Muhammad Salah around. You know, the dream is obviously to have him for his whole career, but it's, it's very unlikely that he's going to stay a Liverpool player forever. Um, chances are he might go somewhere else. Same with Sadio Mane or Roberto Firmino. Any one of those guys at any point in their careers could just decide, you know what? Maybe I want something different or maybe I've achieved all like, that. Think I can achieve at Liverpool, and then they go somewhere else, and now you're having to rebuild again. Whereas now we got them; they they seem happy, they they seem to be invested in the future of Liverpool. Try and assemble the best team you possibly can in this point in time, and let's see how you know how dominant or how aggressive this team really can be to trying to be uh, as dominant as possible. And as as you say, Koulibaly or even uh, Jimenez from Atletico, I think could pair well with. Van Dyke, there are options out there for center backs who could partner Van Dyke and make the team a lot stronger. And as you said, I think if you bring in Akula Bali, for example, Joe Gamers will still get the games. And, and as you said, it allows Van Dyke to rest a bit more. And it also allows Gomez to play without that fear of, I don't want to get injured it, because, you know, um, it's going to screw up the, the the team. He he gets to grow, and we've seen time and time again. Klopp likes his players to grow underneath the radar, like away from the limelight, away from you know the high expectations. So yeah, it, if it was my choice, I would also be looking at at getting in a top quality centre back.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I think the uh the thing that we've read from the echo is that the you know, Liverpool don't seem to be. You know, planning on spending big this summer, but I I think that that's actually just a load of horseshit. Uh, the accounts were, you know, the accounts came out. We've turned a, a a strong profit. Now, some of that's obviously eaten into by the fact that we, uh, you know, had some player purchases last summer that were were costly. But we're we're gonna offload a lot of wages from our contract. We're gonna sell a lot of players. We're gonna have some money. We're gonna get to rebuild some parts of the squad that are not as deep as we'd like them to be. Like. You know, think about, think about the Liverpool squad today looking forward towards the summer. And maybe let's just do this for the rest of the, for the rest of the conversation. Let's look towards Liverpool for the rest of the summer because I'd rather not talk about City or Spurs because, uh, I, I don't want to jinx anything.
0: <laughs> yeah. But just an interesting shot on, on Spurs before we, we move on is, um, involving Spurs and Chelsea is Spurs actually tried to get Michibashua alone from Chelsea and that got rejected then they tried to sign Michy for I think around 30 million pounds I think it was and that also got rejected and then Michy ends up at Crystal Palace for free in terms of loan uh they, Crystal Palace I don't think had to pay a loan fee whereas um when Spurs had I think tried to get him in on loan I think it was quite a hefty loan fee I, I think upwards of 5 to 10 million so I thought that was quite an interesting little battle. Obviously, that's when Chelsea was still gunning for, for Spurs. I, I don't know now if they, if their squad is going to be able to catch the uh, Spurs.
1: Yeah, I don't think that they're, they're, they're not. I, I don't think they finish in the top four. Um, I'll be, sh- I mean, you, you and I spoke about this before the, uh, before the, you know, podcast. I'm shocked if, uh, sorry actually doesn't get sacked because of this kind of performance. Um, you should it's clear that they quit on him but uh it it you know w- I, that makes sense I, I don't think that teams uh you know usually want to sell good players or give good players even to get them off the wage book to a rival who they're trying to, to compete against i mean that part actually makes perfect sense to me and chelsea in the past have gotten burned by selling good players to rivals in big spots um try to think of a few examples uh you know getting rid- well weren't direct sales, but getting, you know, not having Kevin De Bruyne and Mo Salah really is, uh, something that they kind of, you know, probably don't lo- look back on that well. Because De Bruyne feeding a supply line of Salah and Eden Hazard would be frightening. Instead, he's, instead De Bruyne is getting, feeding a, another frightening strike partnership and Salah just gets, you know, so, so service from what's behind him and still scores a lot of goals. But, uh, yeah, it makes sense to not sell to the, uh to your direct rivals, you know, because Chelsea sold a Sturridge, that hurt him.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I I just thought it was something interesting to bring up because I I didn't see it being reported as much uh, in in the news. So I thought that was quite a nice little trivia.
1: Yeah. I also like Nishi, I just think uh, it's so weird how for his talent level, he looks like he takes the jump last year at Dortmund. And then all of a sudden coming into this season, just, not cracking, not cracking minutes anywhere, not really playing much. Like, how, how how do you allow that to happen where you see a player delivering in a good league and then just decide, oh, I'm not going to use him?
0: Well, I think that's ingrained in the Chelsea system. Yeah, and, and it that's is. That's the problem with Chelsea fundamentally. Um, they're a club that hoards players. Um, I think they have over like 40 players out on loan or something ridiculous like that at the moment, um, where if you are, and this is once again why I question Christian Pulisic going there, unless he's been given assurances. But where, you know, what, what assurances is he getting that he's actually going to get to play as much as he may think he's going to play, considering the history Chelsea have had with the young players and development of young players?
1: I don't know. I mean, if Chelsea kill the development of U.S. soccer, I'll never forgive them. <laughs> I never will. But let, let's let's go back to the team that we both actually like, and not one that we revile. Uh, so, if we're thinking about, like, you know, kind of going through the squad, right, and thinking towards the summer about who's gonna who's who stays, who goes? Um, let's go maybe kind of position by position. At goalkeeper, Allison clearly stays. If he goes, it's a disaster. And Sima Mignole, who I'd imagine at this point, um, I think we should give him a chance to leave because he's actually been. Very good about not, uh, about, about not rocking the boat about, and not starting. So I think, you know, he's earned, he's earned a move even after those comments before the season. And, uh, I think so it puts us probably there in the market as one thing is backup goalkeeper. Next after that. So, so then after that, let's just stick in the, in the back half of the pitch. Left back probably need to buy one because Moreno's gone. We won't get any money for him. But it's a free, but it's still wages off the book. At center back, once again, I'm assuming that Virgil Van Dyke remains. Uh, Joe Gomez will probably re- has just signed a new contract, so he'll remain. It puts Dejan Lovren, who's got a decently sized contract, with I think three years left to run on it, and Joel Ma- Joel Matip there. So I guess the question is, do any of this? Do you, do you think any of the center backs go this summer?
0: Um, I think maybe if if there is one to go, maybe Joel Matip. I, I just think Klopp has a love affair with. Lovren and I'm still convinced Klopp wants to get the best out of Lovren, or is convinced he can get the best out of Lovren. So the day Lovren leaves will would be a very interesting one for me. I I do think Klopp is just going to stick stick it out with him. So that means matchup is the only possible one, but also with matchup, it's going to take maybe being proactive than necessary because I don't think he would he minds being one of those the third or fourth choice defenders, just coming in when I'm when I'm needed. Um we've seen in games like yesterday he can be very, very useful in terms of his direct passing, especially directly into the feet of our front line. Um he's the the, the only defender that probably offers that outside of Virgil van Dijk in, in our centre back um squad, mini squad. So for me, he's probably the only one that I would highlight in terms of could possibly leave purely because I think Klopp wants to keep loving around to prove that there is a player in there.
1: Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you. But I'd say then that still probably leaves us at three recognized center backs at the senior level. So what do you – I mean, at that point even then, I think four center backs as we're seeing right now, that's not, I think, satisfactory depth. Do you think it's the type of thing where we're probably going to buy like how many defenders I mean what kind of defender would you buy I mean obviously both of us spoke about the fact that you know I think Koulibaly would probably be a first choice for both of us but you know bear in mind the realism of it right now seems to be kind of low How many center backs do you think we need to buy assuming Matip goes which I probably agree with you I think it's Lovren who stays and Matip who goes
0: Yeah if 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 it if it does transfer like that I I do think Personally, as you say, Koulibaly is, is one you would love to have, but the market for him is going to be ridiculously crazy and there's going to be a lot of clubs vying for him. I like the uh, Jose Jimenez shout of getting a, a guy from Atleti. You know, he's still very young, still can be molded, very aggressive center back, which would balance up pretty nicely next to a, a calm um, Virgil van Dyke. Whether or not the club is looking for Cause the thing, the problem is we've seen a lot of versatile players come in. So is, is, do you think that's going to be the thinking when looking at a center back of can they also cover at right back or are we purely going to try and look for just a center back?
1: I think it's going to be the type of situation where it could be a player that could cover right back too. So like the name that was mentioned on the Anfield index, uh, you know, the, 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 pro transfer committee pod, which also I saw then somehow from the Echo as well as, uh, Ider Militao from, uh, Porto, who is kind of that hybrid center back, right back. Um, I'm tempted to say that also if you can fill some part of that from within with, uh, Kijana Hoover, but, uh, I don't want to put that much pressure onto a 17 year old.
0: Yeah, I think he would definitely be one of those that's going to be allowed to grow. Um, I, I don't think. I don't think we should be putting that amount of pressure on him just yet. Um, in terms of other options, we did look at kanji at one point in time. Um, obviously, he's at Dortmund now. I don't know if that would be revisited. W- would you Would you be interested in a uh, Jamal Lasalle?s He's he's had not a great season this season, but there has been promise in the past.
1: So Lasalle the one thing I wonder about with how we play is uh, the uh, the on ball component. Could he, could he do it because I've just never I, yeah. I, I just I, I he very he could very very be very well like good on the ball it's just the way in which Newcastle play and have played for you know the majority of his time there that's not a team that builds out of the back right Rafa's Rafa's a pretty pragmatic manager he's not going to put himself into into harm's way and it's just not one of those things that you see Newcastle do right now is build up from is build out of the back uh, so I would just, uh, you know, that, that would be my question. Obviously I would assume that Mike Edwards and, you know, the, the laptop, the, you know, the laptop geeks that we have will find some sort of way of figuring that out. Now, Ikanji, who he brought up as a player that I would absolutely love to have. Uh, but I, I, you know, I, he's going to cost a lot. <laughs> Dortmund, yeah. you know, he's, he's, he's very, very, very good at Dortmund. And that's not a club who sell players cheap because that's never really been their model. Now, let me ask you this one. Obviously, he's in a bit of decline at this point. But would you take Mats Hummels?
0: Um, the, the reason I wouldn't necessarily take him is how much he's going to take of that wage bill. Uh, as you mentioned, we know we're going to be clearing quite a lot of it, but we also have to be very careful. I know we're skating on the lines, and, and maybe Mo Chatteru will be a person that's, that can speak to this more, but I think we are skating on that line of, Getting a wage bill that could be too high, at, at, you know, un, unless we're going to be expecting to, to increase our revenue by quite a bit. Um, I don't see Hummels coming in for that cheap in terms of both transfer fee, but especially the wages. That's my biggest concern with him.
1: That makes sense. I mean, I figure I don't think that players will take discounts here and there, but I think Hummels, you know, he signed a bunch of big contracts in his career, so maybe he's not looking for. Quite as much money and more an ability to keep playing. But even then, when I say not as much money, he's still going to cost you in the range of be between a hundred, just assuming between a hundred and twenty and a hundred and fifty thousand a week, which is still expensive. So, I mean, I'm, but that's the thing. Once again, Hummels at this point would be very one dimensional because he could only play center back, right? He doesn't have the pace to play right back. So the question is, if we're going to go with someone who is versatile, don't you think we'd probably go with someone younger? Um, Who's going to give you more potential to develop into a world class right back or a center back? That's where it makes sense to me.
0: Yeah, I I think I think that's definitely a good shot. But even if you're looking for someone maybe more stylistically like us, what about uh, Marmana, Emmanuel Marmana at Lyon? Um, He obviously Argentinian cultured center back. They 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 like to play with the ball at their feet. I think he could be someone that could be integrated into our squad. But once again, he's then not necessarily the top level talent that you're looking to buy. It's more someone you're looking to maybe grow side by side with Joe Gomez in terms of where their potential could reach, not necessarily in terms of them being a partnership.
1: Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It's just also the idea of dealing with Leon uh, and having to read, uh, you know, Jean-Michel Olas' name for an entire summer. <laughs> Again, would give me, like, you know, some PTSD after, uh, Nabil Fakir's knee decided to no longer work. But, um, and it, it's basically, I think what we've come to is like, the, the, there's probably three holes that we have to fill. You know, enough center back depth, left back depth, and right back depth in our, in our defense. Those are the things that we, I mean, they've all been exposed basically in the last two weeks. So, you know, we're speaking about it with some recency bias, but you probably came into the beginning of the season. You probably would have said those are, three big holes for us but let's move into the midfield now uh this seems to be a situation where you're getting Alakos obsolete chamberlain back probably next month at some point we have uh naby kata who's starting to now look like he's becoming more integrated into the side we have fabinho who basically looks undroppable and like he's you know the the first name on the the first or second name on that team sheet in midfield after maybe genie wijnaldum take your pick between those two and then you still have uh, Jordan Henderson in, in the fray, which I don't. I don't see Henderson. I mean, you have Jordan Henderson, James Milner, and Adam Lallana is there as well too. And the the latter three are big um, commitments as far as wage bill. I could see two of the three of them going, and I think it's probably going to be Milner and Lallana.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm pretty sure if Leeds get promoted, Milner ends up there. Just as a sentimental last little, um, last hurrah for him. I think it will be a nice bookend for his career. If he, um, it ends it at Leeds, um, helping them stay in the Premier League. Um, and then as you said, Lolana, he's, he's got to go, man. It's, it, it, it's becoming a hindrance in the sense of, I think we, with him, it may be a factor of saving Klopp from himself because I, I, I've mentioned before, I think in the Discord group is, even uh, as long as Lalan is fit, he's going to get way more minutes than he deserves, in my opinion. Um, and the problem is he's not fit enough where he can actually build some sort of momentum. But when he comes back into the fold, he gets put into the team and he just seems to be slowing down everything that the team's trying to build. So for me, he has to be one that has to go this this coming window. And then, as you said, with Milner, he's been... a Solid professional. It, it sums up his career to say, you know, the the, the professional's professional. But um, I think it might be one season too much if we if we keep him next season. I think he's done relatively well to hide it this season, but it, it's starting to show that, um, that this team is evolving past uh, James Molnar at the moment. Unfortunately for him.
1: Yeah, I think it's. I think it's. You have to look at those three and. I'm sure that somebody will disagree with me for just saying this because of the fact that, you know, it it, it is what it is. Uh, but Jordan Henderson is the only one of those three who can play at or close to the pace that we want to play at. Like, James Milner just can't. Um, although he is good at progressing the ball and he's good off, you know, at he, the, the speed at which Milner moves the ball isn't the problem. It's the speed at which he runs. Um, Lulana, it's both the speed at which he moves the ball and the speed at which he runs. With Jordan Henderson... He plays, I guess, the way in which he plays is, uh, you know, on the ball, maybe he's not the quickest, but off the ball, as far as the pressing that he allows, that he affords, those things he actually does allow us to play at the tempo that Klopp wants, I guess, wants to play. So of those three, Henderson to me is the only one who makes sense to stay around solely because he doesn't dismantle the, the way in which we want to play. Whereas the other two, um, I think at this point, just, it's it's passed them by a little bit now. Milner was very was was very good yesterday. So I don't want to sit there and slay. Then and I say yesterday, this is as of the uh, after the three the three nil win against Bournemouth. Um, Milner was very good and he didn't move the ball quickly. And like I said, moving the, him on the ball and playing quickly isn't the problem. It's just all the stuff off the ball uh, at this point for him isn't fast enough. And that's and that's really, I, I think it's better in a Klopp team if you're not gonna you know to be. Faster in the off ball stuff than it needs to be the faster on ball stuff.
0: Yeah, I, I think. And the thing with Henderson is he's shown he can do it next to a Fabinho, next to certain players. So I, I think obviously he he's a polarizing figure in that there's going to be extremes of either side of yes, definitely he's not good enough, and or he yes, he is good enough. And I think he's somewhere. Slap bang in the middle of that. Um, I think his injuries have hindered him quite a bit, but he's finding a way to be more involved in this team. As, and as long as he continues to do that, I, I have no issue with Jordan Henderson. I think he has a lot to offer in depth. I just personally don't know if he's a starting player, but as once again, as long as he's not necessarily someone we're relying on to start, but someone maybe we're relying on to add depth, I think he could be a really key player, especially for a team that's going to be hopefully next season challenging for more than one trophy we're going to need a Jordan Henderson to be fit and firing and ready to step in you know any time in the season or even have long spells in the team um there there's nothing wrong with that it's just I think when he now has that responsibility of being the number one midfielder being the captain of Liverpool I think sometimes it weighs on him a bit too much I'd rather him maybe take a little less responsibility whether he's still captain or not it really doesn't matter to me because i know that the, the culture that klopp has grown up in where the club captain doesn't necessarily have to be the best player on the pitch or you know the let's say like a virgil van dyke it it can be a jordan henderson and it can be someone who doesn't have to start every game I was gonna but, say,
1: like the best player on the pitch or for that matter just on the pitch
0: yes yes definitely um As long as he's the one that's galvanizing the team on the training pitch, that's way more important than what he's necessarily doing on the pitch. So even if he stays as captain, that doesn't really faze me. As long as maybe some of that responsibility in midfield is taken away from him, we've seen when he's played next to Fabinho, he's not being asked to do as much because Fabinho can do that quarterback role. Henderson looks a lot more impressive. He has the freedom to express himself a bit more. So as a Dev player, I have no issues with him staying. Um, it's got to be the other two, Mulner and Lalana, I think.
1: Yeah. So if the, if those other two leave, then that gives you, as we mentioned, then um, Alex oxlade Chamberlain, Henderson, Fabinho, Kada. How many bodies do you think you need to add to there, and what quality of kind of body do you think you need to add to there to uh, you know keep progressing the project? Um, personally, I think it's two. I think it's two players short. One of whom, uh, uh, one of whom I just need—I I just need to play and basically just sit there and, and you know function more as a as kind of an all rounder. And one of them, I believe, needs to be an attacking midfielder.
0: Yeah, I have to agree with you there. And in terms of one of those all rounders, you know, um, I wouldn't mind us aggressively going for someone like a Lewis Cook, who has been under Eddie Howe at Bournemouth and. Bournemouth seem to be producing really, really good young English players and they seem to be well trained there. Um and I think he would be someone that could come in and step in into that role as being sort of the utility player. Um and obviously he fills the English quota. It's something we have to remember as English clubs. I think he could do a good job as a young player, learn even more under Klopp and then yeah, take over that not necessarily take over the Mulner role and playing him everywhere on the pitch. But take that role of being able to, to be, you know, like that Swiss knife that can that can play anywhere in that midfield. That would be the specific player that I'd want. But in terms of um, having that Swiss knife, yes, I agree, it's a position we need to fill. And then in terms of the attacking midfielder, um, obviously we saw the issues with um, Nabil Fekir, and I think that's going to haunt us for, for for quite some time. In terms of it's always going to be the what if transfer, but I think that's clearly something that the club is looking to address. Um, obviously they didn't see anyone that was available during this January window that could fill that role. So it's going to be something they're going to look at in the summer. Interestingly enough, I'm going to throw a name at you. And the reason I'm throwing him is because he's been playing as a number eight, um, this season is Julian Brandt. Would you take him as a number eight? Um, we know. Traditionally, we know him as, as a winger, and, and he's very pacey, got very good skill. But this season, a lot, he's been playing as the number eight, and he's been looking pretty impressive. So could we go back in for Brent? I know we wanted him when we bought Mane. Could he now become that versatile attacking player that comes in?
1: I I I, I think he could. Um, He could do it because... If you look at the way in which he's playing the eight, and the way in which Leverkusen are kind of deploying it, he's really—it's it, it, an eight where he's given a lot of license to go forward. It's like an eight, it's like the eight, like the way in which Coutinho played the role, where it's vast, for us, where it's vacillating between kind of like an eight and a ten, right? Where you're out of possession, you're plant, you're very much a midfielder. But when we get when we get the ball and go forward, your job is to be creative, get forward, get into the box, but also you know get on the, get yourself on the ball a lot and be a creative out and and. and and be the provider i 'm um, perfectly fine with that uh, to me, basically, I think it, it it needs to be picking players who fit us playing the four three three because I think that as far as our attack goes, and obviously we 'll get to the attack in a second that 's the shape that 's best for us when you conti- when you take into account the individual talents of the three guys who start for us now, right? And look, they're not always going to be our starters. We are going to need more depth there, and we're pretty sure we're probably both going to say a lot of the same things when we get to talking about the attack. But I think a player like a Brandt, who can kind of play both roles, he can play up front if we need him to in a pinch, he can play in midfield, but main, his main role is to be extremely creative. That's the kind of player we need. right? With, with Full stop, thats that's what we need is someone who can, you know, Give give us goals from midfield, right? Be they much more creatively or by actually scoring them.
0: Yeah, I I have to agree. I think I think more of the story. Maybe we should just pillage by Leverkusen because I I was looking at their spot as well. They've got yeah. I was just (laughs) looking at Habits as well, and I'm thinking he could he could do a great job as, as that versatile attacking player. And then I know when we get to the forward lines, uh, there's a certain Bayern Leverkusen player you're going to be screaming about. So I, I won't take your limelight yet.
1: Well, I'm actually, I, I, I know, I know that you know who I'm going to talk about. And he's had a down season, but I still think that he, uh, he's been playing better lately, but, uh, we'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll use that to introduce the forward line. Right now, uh, obviously it seems as if of the six Tour Goners, Divac Origi, uh, Daniel Sturridge... Jordan Shakiri, Mohamed Salah, Roberto Firmino, and Sadio Mane. Now, ideally, none of the front three leave this summer. Um And I think we've actually put ourselves in a good place to actually retain them, because I actually think they genuinely enjoy playing for each other, and we're a, a club very much on the up, and we've paid them all pretty well. But uh could you see... And then Shakiri obviously, I think is going to stay, because I think Shakiri for us, is a, a no-brainer to have in the squad. Um, he, and, and he is, he, like, look, Jordan Security plays a lot, but he's still very much a squad player. So, uh, he's the kind of squad player I want. But that leaves Divakarigi and Daniel Sturridge, um, who I think both of us, like, you don't have any assumption that either one of those two are going to be at the club come, uh, you know, September, do you?
0: No, I, I really don't, and I'll be surprised if they still are, unless it ends up becoming like a Markovic situation where you just couldn't find anyone to offload them to, or we were asking for too much money. But in, in, I'm pretty sure that their their agents should have been working overtime throughout the season to try and make sure they land them somewhere. And 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 it's not to say that they're bad players. I really think they could both do a job for for other teams. It's just one they're not you know, maybe up to the standard of Liverpool. And once again, with all these players, we're not speaking about them from a personal hatred or anything like that, just speaking from purely football on the pitch stuff. Um, but obviously Sturridge has has lost what Daniel Sturridge was at Liverpool, which is a great shame. And then Divock Origi just never clicked. I, I think, uh, I, I thought he did fine with um, the two seasons that he was with us. He got double digit both seasons which is something some of the other strikers who got more chances cannot say, the Danny Ingses and the Solankis of the world, but, you know, each their own. But I think the biggest problem for me is even in a time when Bobby Firmino wasn't necessarily firing on all cylinders, there was never a second in my mind where I thought that Klopp would drop him for either Origi for Sturridge. And I think that says more about why we need to find someone to replace them than necessarily you know, anything else. It, it's not anything against them. It's just if the manager doesn't trust them to come in when your front player is clearly not playing um at the best of his abilities, then what's the point of having them in the in the squad?
1: I, I, I'm with you on that. And I mean to me it's it's two things that if if you're gonna get rid of those two players, there's two things that I think we need to replace. Uh one of which I think is we need to replace a pacey attacker um who can actually play either the outside wide positions to spell Mane and Salah be, and, uh, give you still the ability to play with pace because as much as for whatever Shakiri offers, one of the things that he doesn't offer you is just, he's not going to run behind, right? That's not, but just fine. It's not his game. You need, but you need, and you need different skill sets to create a well-rounded attack. But I think we need a player who can play. Um, and, and I think, you know, the, the player that I'm going to mention that you know is he's left-footed. So, you know, it's, Always good to have a left-footed attacker, even though that means that in certain times, you know, you're not going to want to maybe play him as a direct replacement for Saudi Omani, whereas a hug, a line winger. But um, it's uh, Bayer Leverkusen's uh, Leon Bailey, who um, I have made no mystery of the fact that I love him. Uh, he's had a little bit of a down season. He's coming back into slightly better form right now. But um, he's, you know, he's fast. He's very incisive. He's very, he's direct. And he's got a absolute rocket for a left foot. Um, and I think he's the type of player who'd be very good to, you know, rest Salah, rest Mane, but make sure that you still keep a player who can get behind and, uh, and you know, open play up in, in, in stretch play in different ways. And then the other player that I think we should go out and just get, because we've been linked to him. And once again, this comes to this type of situation where it's like, oh, so you're going to block Bobby Firmino? It's like, no, they're both just going to play. Um because you need to get your entire team to play a lot of games is I just go out and sign Timo Werner. What do you what, what like do you do you like either of their shouts or do you think about it in a different way?
0: Um I think I'll, I'll start with Werner because I hundred percent I agree. I think it's someone you just go and sign and look if if Timo Werner ends up playing for us um next season, it means he's having an insane season because of the, the, the position that Bobby Fanino has in this team and the importance he is, he, he has in this team. Like, I, I, I never understand, you know, the fears of, oh, but if we bring Werner in, do we have to bench a, a Firmino? It, it's what makes these players better. It's what makes the, the club better ultimately. And I think Timo Werner, if you can convince him, but that, the, I think that's the tricky thing for me is we've seen it with Spurs where for years they've been trying to get someone as the backup to Harry Kane, and it's just not worked. They, they, they've tried the older player and the Lorente. They've tried the younger player and the Janssen. They've tried, um, Soldado. Um, they, they've tried so many different ways of approaching it, and, and none of them have seemed to work. Whereas for us, if we can land a team of Anna, who is a fully fled German international, going to be one of, you know, the forefronts of German football for, for, for the foreseeable future then that's exciting. And it also gives Klopp the option of even playing Bobby as a 10. You know what I mean? We we can't forget that. That's where Bobby um earned, earned his bread and butter when, when he was still playing in the Bundesliga. So he can do a job there or even playing two up front. So that could be an exciting thing. It definitely gives teams a lot more to think about. It's not just the standard front three that that's going to be playing every week. Um, so definitely someone I would look to get in, in, in terms of strikers and, and attacking players. In terms of Leon Bay, um, I, I agree with you in terms of, yes, he hasn't had the best of seasons, but as young players, you can't expect them to have a, a, a great season every single year. This is some, these are growing pains for, for these youngsters. And I think he, he's someone that you do go out and get in having a foil for our front three in the sense of having someone who can come off the bench. Straight onto that front three, who is direct, who gives you something different, who's willing to take on a defender. You know, many people have spoken of times where they they get maybe upset with the money for not taking on a defender because we all know money could probably do it eight times out of ten. Um, yet sometimes he he either cuts back inside and passes or or, or does something else we're not expecting. Leon Bailey is going to take his man on. He he he's got that sort of arrogance in him and and in a good way. I mean, nice. So
1: best dribbler in the Bundesliga
0: yeah yeah definitely so so you want someone like that you know maybe when you're not being able to unlock defend defenses then you have someone that can cause defenders to make a mistake maybe dribbles into the box and gets a penalty or just takes a defender out of position or makes them worried about him so he would be a key player um I think coming in alternatively in terms of wingers I'd also look at maybe someone like a I, I don't know though if if he's gettable, but uh, Federico Chiesa, um, who has been playing at Fiorentina, you know, he's been playing really well, and he's probably one of the highest-touted young wingers in, in world football. Now, whether or not it's, it's a Koulibaly situation of every club is going to be after him, that could be the issue. Um, but I think he also could be a young, exciting winger. He plays on the right-hand side. Um, so I think... Um, if, if you bring someone in like him who he's going to get the opportunity to grow behind the likes of a seller and there's not necessarily that much pressure on him to come in and, and hit the ground running, I think he could do a really good job. And I think he could fit a club system in terms of his work rate. Um, I think he could be a, a sneaky, exciting signing. And I think both of them would be around the same prices in terms of their profile and their clubs wanting really high fees. I don't know if you've seen much of him or, or, or your thoughts on him. Um, but then b- before we get to him, my last shout for wingers, I, w- I would go and get Wilfred Zaha. Uh, if, if he's available for a decent fee, I think he could do a really good job coming off the bench for us. We've seen how direct he is. We've seen him cause problems for us very recently. And I think he, he, I think he appreciates a, a, a move to a bigger team now more. Than necessarily he did at United, and obviously he was a lot younger. He's matured a bit more. I think he could be a really, really dangerous player to have um coming in as a rotation player.
1: Yeah, see, I like Zaha. The one thing I just worry about is always just the he. He's an exceptional dribbler. It's just that the and part of it might just be the fact that he plays for Crystal Palace. But it just feels like always the end product is just it's ne- is is lacking. That, that said, you know, he, he'll get us a lot of penalties and I'm, I'm okay with that. Actually, with our luck, if we signed him, the, his ability to get penalties would dry up, you know, the next day. But, uh, another player I've thought about, and this is one where it's, I don't know exactly if he's attainable and I don't know where he's going to end up, but I know he's going to end up at a top club, which is, uh, PSV's, uh, Irving Lozano. Um, like, he's going to end up at Barcelona, right? And, to, and then to answer your question about it, I, I just don't watch enough Serie A to really know the league very well. So uh, anybody who's played for Fiorentina, it's, it's a team I haven't watched all season.
0: <laughs> no, no worries. Um, yeah, Levan, Le bon, I think he could be an interesting one. And I, I could see him ending up at like a Spurs for some reason. Uh, I, I just don't... I, he would be someone that I would, I would love us to sign and to take a gamble on. But I don't know if... We are now in a position where we're still taking that much of a gamble. Um, in terms of, you know, like with a Bailey, you know what you're going to get in terms of that raw natural talent and you know, you're going to cultivate it. I think the issue I would have, um, is that, that unknown factor of is, is he going to come in and be coached into, into a specific role? Where, where, where would you see him? necessarily fitting in stylistic um, in our team in terms of Lozano.
1: Well, so that's where I kind of want to get to stylistically. I think he could probably play at the pace that we play at. For me, it's I don't want to find players who are kind of like-for-like replacements of any of the front three that we have, because I think in games where where those three aren't unable to open it up, we need to see something different. So like where I like a Werner, he's... He's bigger and if, if we need to in the box, just humping crosses in, he's not hopeless towards getting on the other end of one like he can. Someone like a Lozano or someone like a Bailey, they're so good with the ball at their feet and dribbling and running at people where they'll try to keep a bit more. And they'll also both try to naturally keep a bit more width. That's different than what Sala or Mane are going to do. Now they're, those are skill, those skill types are obvious. The skill sets are a lot closer to each other than like, you know, say, Bobby Firmino and Timo Werner, but the only thing that's really truly common about all four of them is that they're all kind of pacey and they all can play on the outside, and that three of them are left-footed.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good shot. Yeah, I like that explanation. I could, I could, I could see where you're coming from from that perspective. Um Yeah, it will be interesting to see. I think maybe for me it's just more gut feeling that that I just don't know if we would would put a trigger on them necessarily. We might want to wait for. One more club. Maybe if he goes to, you know, if he, if he, obviously if he moves to a Spurs, that, that limits our chances of signing him afterwards greatly. But he could need one more club is, is the worry that I have that, that we will be thinking. But if we are, as, as we said, looking not necessarily to break the bank, this transfer uh, window coming up, he could be a nice one that you could get for a fairly decent price, I'd imagine. Um, can I throw one more name at you? Um, obviously it seems an obvious name, but his future always seems to be in turmoil at the moment. Um, Ousmane Dembele, do you think he leaves Barcelona?
1: I don't think he's leaving Barcelona. I I don't. Um, you know, I think he's really, really good. He's been showing it significantly, right? He's, I mean, he's been showing it with the way he's been playing right now for Barcelona. He's been great for the last two months, but, uh, no, I I I don't I don't think I don't think we're really ever going to have a shot at him. Uh I I also just 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 on Dembele, I I just don't care about the personality or 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 quirks that he has. Uh I would still buy him if we could because I think he's that good. If if he's going to play video games all night and be late to, you know, training because of that, I think that's something that Klopp would uh, probably get very annoyed with. And but but I but I think that Klopp is also the type of guy who'd actually just be able to get through to him. So, no, I, I I do it. I think that I think that Usman Dembélé is a great player. I just don't think that he's actually going to leave Barcelona.
0: Yeah. That's a fair assessment.
1: And then actually there's you know there's you know we were very loosely this window linked with a, a summer move for uh, Lorenzo Insigne. Uh, is is that is that one you'd make?
0: Um yeah, I think in terms of if you're looking at the upper tier, um he's definitely someone that you could bring in and he would be similar, obviously, maybe a higher quality than, than a Shakiri, but he would be similar in Shakiri in the sense that he would come in expecting to break into that front three. Um, he would have the attitude of, I'm, I'm better than these guys, not, not in a bad way, but just in a competitive way and trying to prove that he is better than them and he, and he needs to stake a claim to be part of that front three. So that could be a, quite a dangerous, in a good way, um, Signing to make in that he'll be coming in very hungry to prove his worth. Um, would, would he endear himself to the fans? It would be quite interesting after the comments he made, uh, before the Napoli game. But I suppose, uh, as fans, we are pretty forgiving once the players are, are in our teams.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. If, if, uh, if Jeffrey Dahmer helped us win the league, I'd ask him, you know, if you, if you want some butter with the person he's about to eat. Um, <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer was an American serial killer who ate his victims. I realized that that reference might not have gone over to anybody else. But, um, no, I mean, I, I think that, uh, Insigne is, uh, the, the only worry I have with Insigne is really just size, but I guess basically he uses that as the chip on his shoulder to be successful. So, you know, maybe I'm not that concerned about it because he's already become a, you know, a, a borderline world class player at five foot four and does it both in the, and, and he does what he does both in the Champions League and in Serie A. look, like, I know is a much, Less physical game than the Premier League, but the Champions League is physical and he, he, he does it there. So I'm not too worried about his size, but I would then absolutely still say if you go out and sign Insignia, you have to go sign someone whose main role is to play as a striker, right? We, we, we do need someone whose main role is just like predatory finisher. We don't, we don't have that. Salah for as good of a goal scorer he is. That's not his game. Firmino for as good of a player as he is. We've seen him go way too many games sometimes without scoring. Like, we just need a, an actual striker who, you know, someone with Daniel Sturridge's finishing skills who isn't completely broken.
0: Yeah, that's a good shot. And I, and I think it it obviously, as you mentioned, it gives a nice foil to a Firmino who isn't a natural striker. Um, we do need someone who can just put the ball in the back of the net, especially when, um, when we're struggling to, to break teams down just – even just now, bringing on a Daniel Sturridge, there is that hope of he's going to be able to do something, whether or not he can still do that to the devastating effect we'd want him to do. That that's when the issue comes. Um, young strikers is a tricky one, I think. Though, um, if you could just give me a second, let me let me just think of some some options for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, Werner is the one we're linked with. I'm trying to think about who else realistically in any of the major leagues that we could probably go and get. Like, cause I remember years ago when we were linked with a striker, it was players like Aniki Williams. And at this point, we know that like Aniki Williams is, uh, you know, what he is, right? Which is not, which is a, is, is a good player for Bilbao. Uh, but who else really is there that's a, you know, out and out striker, young, who's starting to show the potential that, you know, they're, uh, a top player. I mean, there's the any any part of the attacking quartet from Lyon that isn't Nabil Fakir we could probably go after, I guess.
0: Yeah, probably. Um, I would probably maybe lean towards the Bundesliga. Um, I'm looking at some of the because I'm I'm also thinking of prices for some of these players because if you're looking young strikers, you're going to be paying a lot for probably unproven talent, especially you know we see in strikers come into the premier league and and struggle um maybe looking at someone like a uh Fiat up at hamburg uh, obviously hamburg are struggling in the in the in the bundesliga at the moment so that could then help with the transfer fee you have to pay if say they get relegated but in terms of you know scoring goals um in international level he's got i think for the under the German youngsters, he's got I think 18 goals and 19 appearances. Uh, stylistically, he seems to be um, one of those guys that can score every kind of goal, whether it's headers, whether it's left foot, right foot. Uh, he seems to be very comfortable leading the line, playing off the shoulder if he needs to. Um, so he can be that impact player. In he has the ability to turn games uh, at any second. So you're not necessarily asking him to trudge his way through 90 minutes of football you're just looking for an impact young player coming in who's a good accomplished finisher as it seems in the bundesliga so maybe he could be a shot i, I don't know if you've seen much of him at all or
1: i I, have haven't, not very, I haven't seen very much of him i haven't but i mean once again though, that sounds like the type of player that i think we need um you know just someone who can th- th- that that's where you really really me. someone who can score every kind of goal because uh my, my criticality, my, where I've been critical of our play lately, is it just it feels like we're trying to walk the ball into the back of the net, and we do need some, but we we need, we actually need people who can uh, who like shooting from distance a little bit.
0: Yeah, um, if you and the thing is, if you, it just depends how, and and I suppose this is where the value of a Michael Edwards comes in. In Klopp will, Klopp will have a specific style of player. That he'll want to come in and, and Edwards and the team will crunch the numbers, look at the data, look at the, their performances and, and bring out some options. But obviously us doing it on the fly without necessarily knowing what style of play crop wants. It, 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 it does limit us a little bit, but maybe another shot I could bring to you is, uh, Valencia's young striker, um, Mina. I think it's Santi Mina. He, I've, he seems...
1: I've heard a little bit about him. I, so I, I just haven't watched him play much. I watch. Okay, more, yeah. I watch more of this year. I've watched more of La Liga than I have any other league.
0: Besides, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, of course. Um, he seems to be maybe one of the more comfortable passers of of some of the players that we have brought up. So that tends to favor you as as a player coming into a club team. And if he's going to be linking up with, you know, our attacking players, that bodes them well. Maybe he'll add a bit more physical, uh, physicality into our team, being able to hold on to possession, have us back to goal a bit more, maybe throw some layoffs to, to, to players coming. You know, you can imagine a navigator drilling balls into him and, and feeding off any pieces that are coming off to either side of him. He could be a useful tool to come in. In terms of other ones, I think a lot of young strikers are locked into, to their clubs. You look at, uh, Patrick Schick. At, um, he's obviously grown up at Roma and been touted as one of the better young players coming up. But is is he going to be willing to move? That 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 could be interesting to see. Or alternatively, if you're going to go really big, would you go for someone like a Nicardi Because he's still quite young.
1: I mean. I'd love more of Also, I can see where, you know, playing at Inter Milan, uh, you know, it, it's pretty precarious right now because they're, they're, they're not exactly having the best run that that club's ever seen. And they probably need some money. So it's not a bad shout. I mean, if, if we're, if we were going to raid, uh, Syria for an over the top striker, I'd still rather have Dibala. But, uh, I, the one thing I wonder about with a is just whether or not like Klopp can, uh, can get through to him because he's completely out of his mind
0: yeah i think that 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 would be the key factor it it would be a club saying yes or no on it and obviously as we've we've seen in the past club prefers to to have some sort of idea embedded into the player of what role they're going to be playing and, and just feed off how they would um, anticipate coming into the club i think he does get a good read on the type of characters that are coming to a club and he's very strict on who he allows to come in. So, yeah, that that could be contentious. So, um, yeah, I I thought I'd just throw him out because obviously he's a name that many people would be keen to come in. But I think maybe a Man United would be more keen on him. He is, I know, just as a background fact, he is stalling on on a new contract. Inter Milan are hoping maybe he signs one of those Suarez contracts where, yes, he's signing a new contract, but it's basically just to up his fee. For, for for the transfer in the summer. But if he's having none of that, then he could become available for a very decent price.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I can see that. I mean, look, Inter Milan, as far as off-pitch, finances are bad. But on the pitch, they're still good. So they're still going to command a fee for him. Now, I think we've come towards the, the end here because we've been going for a bit. But there is one question I will ask you related to the transfer window and not for Liverpool for the summer. Um uh, we give you two players, I'm gonna ask you which team you think they're uh they're stripping off for in September. Uh Christian Eriksen and Eden Hazard.
0: <laughs> Putting me on the spot. Um the, the interesting thing is I probably would have said for both of them Real Madrid, but I don't know if Real Madrid are gonna be spending that much money. This this transfer and obviously the their fans would love them to and You'd imagine they could do it, but I, I, the fees that Spurs will be asking for Ericsson seems like it's going to be really high, and Madrid seem to have ruffled the feathers in all the wrong places at Spurs, so they would ask for more from them. Christian Eriksson... Okay, I'll start with Eden Hazard because I think that's probably easier. Um, I say Eden Hazard goes to Real Madrid or PSG, and then Christian Eriksson... Uh, I'm gonna say he, he he stays at Spurs. I'm gonna make a shout. I'm gonna say somehow they convince him to stay for another year. I think it's uh, I, I think that Christian Eriksen opens up
1: next season at Manchester United, and I uh, and I think that Eden Hazard will end up at Real Madrid. Shout! I I, th- I think I think Eriksen playing as a number ten. In, with with Pogba and another player will be the next miscalculation that United make in their to, in their quest to concede seventy goals in a season.
0: I was just gonna say, but how how is that gonna limit Pogba's freedom that he seemed to be having? But yeah, I, I get what you mean. Yeah,
1: they're just gonna decide that they don't care about defending. They're they're gonna. It's the extreme reaction from going from Mourinho ball to going to like 13 Roger, Roger's thirteen fourteen ball.
0: <laughs> yeah, that 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 would be interesting, but. If we're looking for a attacking midfielder and Spurs feel inclined to give us a decent fee, I wouldn't say no to him coming to Liverpool though. That's all I'm saying.
1: I would take him in a heartbeat because he is incredibly creative and covers more ground than any midfielder at his position in the league. So I think he would actually be a fit for us, but I just don't think we'll ever see him. I think, I think we missed the trick of just buying him when uh, Spurs did. That's what we should have done.
0: I think that the, a lot of clubs had the same scout reports, apparently. Um, the story goes that he wasn't as motivated in inverted commas during training sessions as necessarily in matches. And teams weren't sure if that would translate. If he came to the Premier League, would would it catch up to him eventually where, you know, as, as a youngster, you can afford to slack off in training and still rely on your talent. Whereas once you get to the top levels in the Premier League, you do need to be putting that effort in and training, but he seems to have done just fine, and I think Spurs. Well done to Spurs for taking that gamble.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess this the the best place to leave it is that um, you know effort and training sometimes is overrated because it's all going to come back to a player that you you and I have spoken about not so glowingly. I'm sure Adam Lallana is fantastic in training. <laughs> All right, so uh, th- that's it for uh, this Transfer Window podcast. We'll be back at you at some point before the summer window to start prepping you guys for uh, what we hope is a window of uh, Liverpool adding depth to their side and our rivals all losing key players. So th- thanks for tuning in, and uh, have a good one.
0: Podcast Network.